So, hello, I think we're ready to start. Uh, we decided uh, that we will talk in English, but if there is something that is perhaps easier to speak in Estonian, then, uh, then uh, I, I hope that you don't mind that the con conversation will be in Estonian for a while. And um, yeah, the music is off. No, it's on. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, uh, really happy to be here with uh, musicians who compose and write a lot for big bands and also lead them. We have Wolf from uh, Germany, uh, Bianca from Tallinn, Raul from Tallinn and Sim from Tallinn. Raul and Sim are also saxophone players. You are pianists, right? And Wolf, you're also vibraphone player. I used to be. <laughs> Cool. So I would start uh, with the first question. I have some questions prepared, but uh, if someone has from the audience has some questions, then feel free to raise your hands and uh, you can also share your ideas. Um, is it possible to switch off to music? Thank you. It's some live, live music, music there. <laughs> yeah, somebody's warming up ah, okay. for playing with big band, probably. <laughs> So I would ask uh, a first question. How did you find a way uh, to big band music? If you started uh, working with this, what did you find so attractive that you decided to go on with, with this in your life? Uh, maybe we could start from Bianca. Oh yes, let's start from the youngest, of course. <laughs> so uh, my big band journey started from like when I was probably 11 or something, I got my first like Glenn Miller big band album and I was like, what? Like you can do this kind of music. And then uh, time went on and I discovered like Jim McNeely and all kinds of like big band composers. I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And like, then I started like um, transcribing these big bands and uh, and now I like arrange for them and conduct and uh, do all sorts of things like it all was luck i think luck i guess mm -hmm. yes. nice <laughs> okay wolf what about you yeah so big band is um something very interesting it's jazz but it's a lot of people and as a composer you have uh, a lot of things to do, like more than if you only have five musicians. And I used to play in a national youth jazz orchestra that was quite new at this time, led by Peter Herpelsheimer, who was in Germany quite an important big band writer. So, and um, he once said, yeah, I know that you're composing, so why don't you write something for big band? And I said, well, what is if it's not good? And he said, you will never find out if you don't write. So I did. And uh, first I did only 32 bars, and then I was really infected. I was like, whoa, this was so, it was so amazing. And from this time on, I started to write regularly. And um, they put basically some of my compositions on the CD, and it's been played since 30 years straight. So I just thought, might be big band is a good choice. And I, <laughs> I thought that I would lose the interest in that formation because I did a little bit too much of it. But um, this week gives me hope that it will never be boring again, so that's fine. <laughs> Great. And uh, Raul, what about you? Teie lahkel loal ma 
Räägin võibolla vastandalele küsimusele eesti keeles. Minu esimeseks Big Bandi katseks oli 90. kusagil keskpaigas võimalus kirjutada tollel ajal juba laialile ainult raadio Big Bandile mis selleks puhuks sai uuesti kokku pandud nagu projekti, projekti kirjutamine. Enne seda ma olin eksperimenteerinud väiksema, väiksema piikbändiga kui nii võib öelda. Ehk siis neli-viis toru ja rütmiseksioon ja siis tuli see võimalus Ja samamoodi tegelikult olin ka ikkagi tunnutuskohas võtte visatud selle teadmisega, et kui proovi, siis jääb ju, jääb ju avastamata, et, et mis seal teisel pool seda katset on. Nõnda, nõnda sai see alguse ja sealt maalt edasi on olnud erinevaid erinevaid projekte, erinevate solistidega ja pisik on endiselt aktiivne, ei ole välja läinud ja kõik võimalikud muud koosseisud on lisanendunud sinna, aga piikpänd on ja kindlasti üks selle tee nagu olulisi osi. Aitäh. Siim. Ma enam ei mäleta, kuidas see küsimus käis. Aga no ma... Jah. We don't mind speaking Estonian too. Oh? I don't mind. No. Okei. Okay. Mul on umbes miks nendes teelmistest kõigist viimane vastaja on hea olla. Mul oli ka isal Glenn Milleri plaat, mille ma ka varases nooruses leidsin. Ja siis kui ma õpingujal Soomes sain need samu lugusid mängida, siis oli esimene niisugune aha elamus, et kas ma tõesti mängin seda in the moodi tenor saaksi neid seda soolot, et issand küll lahe. Aga, aga siis kui ma koolisin tagasi Eestisse, siis tollane Georg Otsa nimelise koolidirektor Madis Sander käskis mul hakata piikbändi juhatama ja siis ma seda tegin. Ja siis oli vaja sinna lugusid kirjutada, siis ma seda Hea poisina tegin. Siis kutsuti hiljem suurtemate poiste piikbändi ja seal öeldi ka, et on vaja midagi teha. Ja siis ma ütlesin, okei, okay, ma teen. Ja siis tasapisi hakkas see meeldima ka. Ja meeldib ka siia maani üldiselt. Haigus on parandamatu, aga haiguse kulg on meeldiv. Really great answers. Aitäh, uh, thank you. Um, if you're um listening or composing something for big band uh what do you think uh what makes this piece that is written for big band a really good piece and whoever wants to answer now can just start what kind of qualities uh it has to have yeah if you listen or if you compose then what you keep in your mind? 
sorry to give a stupid answer, uh, when I like it, <laughs> when I like what I'm writing or when I like what somebody wrote, actually I don't have any other questions for that because I mean if you think about complexity, about if it's written for the instrument, if the style is right, if the instrumentation is good, I heard so many pieces that have bad instrumentation that are really not easy to play or hard to play or wrong ranges or uh, strange form, but they're so good and I don't want to miss it. So I think it's a matter of personal taste. And also it depends on mood, I think. Sometimes I like to listen to just old time, quite simple stuff like Count Basie and this kind of stuff. Another day I, I like to listen some uh, Maria Schneider music, um, which is uh, very good also, but but uh, completely different kind of big band stuff. But uh, actually, whether if I like it or don't like it, it's the answer, the right answer. <laughs> yeah, I think the same. Like um, I have had uh, different phases in my life. Like two years ago, I had this. Uh, uh, what is it called? Third base phase, like everything uh, is in terzpasiga, uh, like every <laughs> chord <laughs> is supposed to be like it has a third in the bass. Like uh, and a year ago also, I only listened to like Jukka Linkola and, and uh, Jim McNeely and everyone who did like this third base thing. And and uh, then um, a couple of years before that, I had a different phase, and now I have this like uh, really. I think a really modern phase, like uh, it, everything has to be like really plus five uh, major all the time. So I think it's also like personal taste, depending on the time and what do you listen and what do you want to do right then when you are composing. Yep. But have you had situations when uh, you're, let's say, at a concert and you're listening to a big band and you, th you really think that okay, this tune—it's—it's it's not a good one, but the arrangement is so good that you still have to follow it. Yeah, yeah. Like um, I think um, a long time I have started to listen myself, like uh, orchestration and like composing ideas separately. Like um, in certain composers composers i can see that they have really good ideas but uh, like the execution of the orchestration maybe isn't like you can see that a pianist has does it, done this or you can see like a uh, trombone player has like orchestrated this you can see like they are thinking <laughs> from, from their own angle like i do that a lot also like i look at my composition like ah yeah she has doubled the, like, the left hand to the trombones or something like. And uh, uh, when time goes on, I like see that, wow, he has done something different. Awesome. I should learn from that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't specifically listen to Beekman music. Sometimes it just happens so that the big band music is so good um, and uh, that's probably the spot where my focus is. The music has to be good uh, no matter what the instrumentation is. Yeah.
Actually, one one more thing, but <coughs> I have thought uh, other way around. Uh, sometimes, uh, especially music with a big, uh, like 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 big band music, I listen to some some pieces, some just very well done arrangements. Some Swedish, I, I call it Swedish big band music, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> of course there are a lot of uh, very very good Swedish big band music, of course, but uh, some very well well arranged songs, every all different lines, and you, you can just you, uh, you can uh, you can understand this. Yeah, this is done very well and very professionally, but it's so so boring. When uh, Bianca mentioned that it's possible to hear. Um, what instrument does the composer or arranger play? It reminded me one uh, big band from Paris. It's called Dedication Big Band. And uh, the guy who leads this is a drummer, Philippe Maniez. And they have one tune where everybody plays only one note, let's say D. And then it's just like And you can definitely hear that, okay, a drummer wrote this piece. It's it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It works really well. Raul wants to say ah, Wolf. Um, yeah. Okay. I I would like to um, say one other thing, uh, but um, but I'll probably do it in Estonian to make it more clear. Um, what a big bandy music on Velzelina that seen on. Üks aspekt, mis on spetsiifiliselt big bandi ajastu, nagu stiili jooned vä, mis võib öelda, et on osaliselt koosseisu põhine, aga seal on palju midagi muud ka kui ainult koosseis. Eks siis on ikkagi muusikulised väljandusvahendid vastav meloodiline kõlakultuur rütmikast rääkimata ja vormilised elementid. Ja siis on teine aspekt, puhtalt on see tehniline külg. Ja tehnilisega on nüüd selline probleem, ma ütleks isegi, et mõnikord võib see olla väga filigraanselt teostatud, aga muusikaline materjal seal juures ei pruugi olla sugugi sisukas. Ja sellistel puhkudel ma just nagu, noh, kuidagi avastan, et see jookseb nagu mööda külge maha. Ja siin on ka ilmselt see põhjus, miks ma varem ütlesin, et ma spetsiifiliselt ei kuula beatbandi muusikat, ehk siis see ei ole nagu oluline, mis iganes muusika juures. Aga kui suurepärane muusikaline materjal ja sisukus omakorda veel, mis on veel omakorda midagi muud kui ainult muusikaline materjal, eks ole, et kui need asjad nagu tulevad kokku instrumentatsiooniga ja meisterliku kirjutamisega ja lisaks veel tegelikult ka mängimisega, mis on täpselt sama oluline osa kogu komplekti juures, sest vaata vahepeal juhtub sul ka seda, et 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 see esitus on pool asja 
nagu energia, mis on sinna pandud või, või mõnikord ütleme improviseerijat sisukus ka, üks ole. Nii et, et üks osa on kompositsioon, teine osa on kogu see ansamblimäng. Need kõik on olulised juu selle, selle lõptulemuse juures, mida me muusika kuulamisel saame. Ja nendest sõltub ka see, kuidas suhtud mingisugusesse materjali. I just hope that I don't, that I'm not redundant now and say the exactly the same thing. It would be great. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it would be great if you did. So I, I just wanted to, your statement, Bianca, that's very interesting about uh, the instrumentations where people come from. So, um, because yes, it tells a lot, but it doesn't really dictate us as writers. For example, I took some masterclass Bob Brookmeyer. I don't know if you know, he was writing a lot for big band. And uh, he was a valve trombone player, and he was also a classical educated composer. That means he knows all the rules of classical composition that definitely influenced how he thinks about music, about theme development. On the other hand, he knows how to play together with people on an improvised level, so he would be much more reckless regarding harmonic structures. I mean, he has some stuff I could prove that it's wrong. I mean, he made a mistake there. He just was too lazy to correct it. But I mean, we played like this and it works. Because like when all the lines, and you think as an improviser, it makes sense by itself and you arrive at a nice point, somehow it will work. And another thing is like Maria Schneider, I didn't have workshops with her, but small talks. And she always said to me, the, like her mi most misery moments in life is when she's working a whole day on a tutti that will last about 15 to 20 seconds, but the next day she finds out the piece has more 12 minutes to go. So this was one thing, and she comes definitely from the piano, and she also listened to some music that is not jazz. Like, we had more some triadic, triadic harmonies and uh, post-pop voicings and things like that. And she always had boyfriends that were guitar players, which is very good, because normally, like I tell my students, you don't write for guitar unless you are a guitar player or you have an intimate relationship with the guitar player. So and if you look at her scores, she writes out all the guitar stuff, and I think her boyfriend would have not allowed it if it was not playable. So uh, the thing is, like, <laughs> searching, searching for things that are inspiring you, despite the fact that you come for a certain instrument, it's very nice. For example, I used to be a vibraphone player, and I used to study with a guy called Gary Burton, and he was quite flexible on that instrument. And, I mean, when I met him, I kind of decided to give up on it, and, um, but what I learned from this instrument is because the vibraphone goes down to low F, so that's it. And then it stops. There's like all the notes that you normally have, they're missing, they're not there. Which means suddenly I have to come up with a lot of different harmonic progressions, a lot of different counterpoints that normally a normal person would not come up with unless he has a vibraphone there. So actually I learned from the fact of having been a vibraphonist so much more about arrangement than if I would have stayed with the piano because the limitation just forced me to think differently and to put voicings differently. But what I think is most important when we are talking about this uh, big band, we had this uh, comparison about classical music and it's not much of a difference because we know all symphonic music, we know classical music and there's a certain setup. It's like strings and brass and woodwinds and so after some time it became standardized and that's why we have these pieces and why this is living and it's only surviving if we continue to reinvent ourselves all the time. And this is the same for big band. I mean, 
you were mentioning people like Duke Ellington and uh, uh, Count Basie and, I mean, Maria Schneider. These are all different periods, like the classical, the romantic, the neo-romantic, and the contemporary. And you said, like, you were writing modern. Well, modern, nobody writes modern, because that's what the people say about us in some <laughs> decades. So <laughs> nobody knows what's happening. So in, in Hamburg, people think that subchromatic music, like microtonal big band, that's modern, but might be it's just bullshit. So we don't know. People will find out in a couple of years. But what I think is interesting is more the process. Everybody comes from a certain instrument. I don't know one single big band composer that did not play an instrument and was not active as a jazz player. And this is a, I think this is the only huge difference between classical composition and jazz composition. Like, for example, if you want to study classical composition, might be you never played an instrument. Might be you just know your computer, or you know how to play the dice, or you really read a lot of philosophical philosophical books. So, and then you apply for being a composer. As a jazz composer, you have to have a life experience on what it means to improvise with musicians on stage. And this is something that I love very much because it opens our thoughts of, as a jazz composer, I'm composing something, but I always count on the creativity of my musicians. So it's like, it's not like I come with a score and say like, this is the work of art. No, it's not. It's the manual how to how to make art out of it, when you're lucky and have the right guys to play it. You didn't repeat at all what Raoul said, so that's amazing. <laughs> but in classical field, I, I, I think that this is quite new thing that the composers are not uh, instrumentalists. And uh, in, in good old times, everybody, everyone played well, you're judging it when you say good old times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the thing is basically, I mean, I always say when, when people say like, why do you do jazz composition? Who in the world needs that? I say, oh, no, actually we just continue where the old masters left it because like Bach and Mozart and Beethoven, these guys, they were jamming like crazy. They were improvising. They were playing every time different to not get bored and they would just write everything for a certain deadline because they had depths and like the usual stuff that we all know. <laughs> so, and like this new development afterwards with the contemporary classical music that, that it's art even before it's written. And uh, this was a period that was very interesting and I appreciate that it exists and it was extremely inspired, inspiring for everybody of us, but still I think in the meanwhile, uh, kind of the jazz took over some of the stuff that got lost on the way when people stopped improvising. I totally agree. Um, in the summer, I went to one concert, one French harpsichord player, Jean Rondeau, um, had a concert in Harpsalo Early Music Festival, at Harpsalo Early Music Festival, and this was so inspiring. His approach was like totally jazz, and of course he has been like working on the field of jazz as well, played um, a little bit music by, sorry for my um, pronouncing, Yves Risser, uh, one pianist. And, and as a jazz pianist, I really found that, okay, this is really something that I can take over. He was playing music from 16th century, but century, but it was totally relatable with, with jazz. Um, but um, uh, what do you think, uh, wait, 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 I have a few ideas, what could be like questions to continue with? Um, Okay, um, a big band musician. Let's talk about this guy or girl. Uh, what kind of qualities do you expect from a big band musician? Is there something specific that they have to 
have or or it doesn't matter. I would expect high quality. <laughs> but do you expect a good team player or to yeah, want sure. to have Yeah, of course, but but uh, it comes with um, uh, experience, I think. Uh, not always, but uh, usually it comes uh, with uh, experience. And uh, it nothing uh, special. Maybe okay. Maybe if you're talking about uh, about uh, drummers who are the real leaders of the big band, so they should be maybe stronger personalities than softer <laughs> drummers. But uh, yeah, this is very important. How how do you play drums? But but for instance, sax or Trumpet players, they just uh, have to be good uh, readers. Of course, they they have, but, but it's um, one part of being a good musician nowadays. You have to read, you have to, mm, can read music and you have to improvise very well. That's it. And of course, you have to be a um, good, good team player. But uh, this comes with experience. I would add the sense of style and uh, good um, rhythmic capabilities. Because, I mean, the music written for a particular big band can be actually quite different uh, stylistically. Doesn't necessarily have to be uh, mainstream jazz. Uh, often isn't nowadays um, technical abilities as uh, sight reading and improvising, which is also in a way technical ability. Um, Seem already mentioned, and I would just say um, that good sense of different um, stylistic approaches, probably, uh, which is a part of. Um, Musicality, individual musicality and excellence in uh, just knowing your craft, which is partly technical, but not only. Yeah, uh, <laughs> okay, so the question was, what do I expect from a big band musician? A great big band musician. Great big band musician, yeah, okay. I have seen, like, uh, I have done some amateur big bands. It's uh, really different over there. It's like uh, everyone is really listening and trying to do everything you say. But in the professional big band, big band when you're, you are dealing with great musicians, they are all, like, personalities. And you have to be the one, like, to make them work together, I think. Like, uh, in, um, in Estonia, I have done a little, like, like... For example, New Wind Jazz Orchestra. The dynamic over there is really like interesting. Uh, in the saxof, uh, like there are teams: saxophone section and uh, trombone section and trumpet section. And um, in the saxophone section, it, it is really easy. Like uh, there is one guy like telling everyone what to do, and everyone listens to it. Like you say, okay, yeah, 
it, it's great. Like uh, I think the team playing is uh, really important there, but also like um, the rhythmic aspects and uh, the musical aspects. I know I know some like brass players who are great brass brass players, like uh, in wind orchestras or something, but they can't play swing or jazz because they don't uh, they just uh, they can uh, practice like for a hundred hours but they will never get it like the i think there's the little musical aspect that you have to have in order to be a great big band musician but yeah a team player probably and a strong player otherwise also yeah <laughs> Yeah, I would have, sorry that I don't have a good answer again. It's just, I have more a story. So, yes, of course, you're all right. It's good that musicians can read and that they, of course, know the style because that saves you a lot of pain. And uh, the other thing is that they know their instrument. But these are things that are quite common. And uh, so that it's known that you have to do it. It's like when you are an instrumentalist, it's good that you know your instrument with everything that belongs there. And, and we, when you play in a big band, it's good that you know enough tradition that you are able to, to, do, to execute that. But still, this is, I would call it the professional side. So for example, mm, I do a lot of commercial jobs. So I have a studio and there are people calling and by tomorrow they want to have a certain big band tune. But if they pay money, they never want anything inspiring. They want something that's been done before that sounds just like this. And then it's perfect to have the guys, you put a coin and you get exactly out what is expected to do. So this is beautiful, but that's uh, this is the commercial way. There's another way. I work with a band that's called the North German Radio Big Band, and I'm working with them for over 25 years. And uh, I'm always the, the guest conductor with the guest projects, but normally I conduct more than the chief conductors. And they we had so beautiful experience, and they hate me so much sometimes, and it's really, and I hate them also sometimes really badly. And still, it's an experience because this is something, it's a fixed orchestra. That means they meet each day at 10 o'clock and they play big band music. So, which means after some time they get a certain professionalism regarding reading. Intonation didn't cover yet. I'm sorry, that w I'm, I gave up on it. <coughs> Rhythmical things, yes, as long as it's uh, in a certain idiom and as long as it may be late, it's fine. And um, they're all incredible soloists. Like each seat, there's some like complete individualist personality that makes it very hard to work with them as a team. And normally it's like this, the rehearsals really suck and the concert is magic. But if you know it, it's fine, it's kind of a deal. And there's something strange coming to it. I strongly uh, always say that it's very necessary to have some big bands that are really well paid and that are steady, that are playing. It's not only for themselves, but just because it's like a classical orchestra. If you close down all the classical orchestras and say like, yeah, well, they have to just, if they want to play together, they just can meet and play, but you have like 40 people there. It doesn't really work. And in Hamburg, we have this North German radio big band as a consequence. Uh, in the school, we have at least two big bands as a consequence. In the city, we have at least 20 big bands of good musicians that are playing together, that are interchanging with this North German radio big band. So the good part is that really makes a statement and we have Every week we have a different program. I mean, I did program with Syrian music, with Indian music, with uh, all kind of like different stuff, Brazilian music. I mean, we have different guests and it's fine. There's one psychological thing that you said um, about this team playing, yeah? I mean, if you meet every day at 10 and play together, of course there's trouble. 
human beings are not designed to be with the same guys every day. So there are two kind of big band musicians, the ones that say, this is my job and that's what I do and I hate everything. Or they say like, well, I'm a musician and I play as much as I can. I do as many programs, uh, my, as many own uh, programs as I can, as many own formations, as many own projects. And then I come to my daily business job and I'm so relieved that I know what to do, when to do, and I'm paid well every month. So it's like this is the mentality thing. And if you ask me what I think is a good musician, yes, they should know all their stuff. I love when they have an individualistic attitude and for this I'm going to pay the price that they might be not able to intonate or like are terrible personalities. I don't mind, that's fine, but there's one thing that comes to it. They should never forget why they make music. So like they should be professionals but they should never lose their joy. And if they're about to lose their joy, to make sure that they're not losing their joy. And you can influence that by the projects that you choose to do aside your steady gig. So that would be the most important thing for me. Wow. Um, I would also tell one story. Uh, it happened uh, almost two years ago when, uh, this is probably the last time, uh, Wolf, when you were in Estonia, we had a concert um, at Estonia Academy of Music and Theatre. Really lots of people, string orchestra, big band. And, uh, and I was playing piano there and behind me there were some people sitting uh, who were like talking really quietly, but all the time. And then they were like, if they were uh, writing notes to their music sheet, then uh, they spilled uh, a pencil on this music stand with really loud noise, like, <coughs> you know that. And and it was so loud. And, and I got so stressed about this because there was just all the time this kind of background noise. So uh, maybe I would add, um, um, or answer to this question like this that um, um, recently I read a lot about theater theory by Stanislavski and Peter Brook and they are both really um, demanding a lot so like young actors who have lessons with them they have to do really a lot they have to focus so much and if there is someone who doesn't pay attention like 200% then it's like okay you're not doing enough, do more or, or leave. It's like really, uh, you cannot do something, how to say that in English, um, with like 50%. So from a musician who works in a big band, I also like really expect, you know, this really good focus. Because if you're playing, for example, in a trio or quartet, and if there is someone who's like um, in a rehearsal telling a funny story or something, then it's kind of okay. But in a big band, if you have like almost 20 people there, then I think that really a good discipline is, is really important too. May I respond a little bit to that? Because it's, also, it's, a, it's a nice story, and I'm, I'm sorry about that. I didn't stop the guys. I didn't hear it back there. So I, I know that you didn't. It would have been my, my thing to go and then. Like, no, but the thing is, for example, um, I used to uh, conduct in, in the United States, for example, Nashville Orchestra. And they have this bad habit that they have one rehearsal uh, at 13 o'clock for two hours and that's it. And at 8 o'clock in the evening you meet for the concert. So basically you, you don't have more time than just playing through the heavy parts and then you just have to trust them that it works at the end. And of course they're very, very disciplined. So you, they don't dare to breathe because they need to get all the information. 
yes, that's professional, but it's also a little bit like tensed. It's not really good for the music. The opposite, I just did something uh, last year with Metropol Orchestra in, uh, in, on Holland, and they're like, the moment you just stop, they're like, everybody's talking immediately. But I just look what they're talking. They're not talking about the weekend. It's like the string players, they're checking their bowings, and like everybody, oh, there's a wrong note, might be changing. So basically, they're self-organizing. And I mean, this is something, you can like it as a conductor or not. I know Vinci doesn't like it at all. I was quite happy because I said like, hey, that's all things I don't have to address. And for me, it's really bad to like, okay, here I up bow there, and there's a wrong note, and make sure that, no, if they're self-organized, and I play it again, and everything is fine, I love that. Just like the, uh, how to say, like the difference. Is it about the music, or is it about something else? And in this, I 100% agree. The moment we have rehearsal, it should always be about the music. It may be like, like a lot of things going on, but it should be about the music. Also, the pencil that falls down should be about the music. Yeah, um, but since big bands are like pretty uh, expensive, uh, because lots of people are there, it probably often happens that you cannot have as much rehearsal as you would like to have. So I would ask if you're composing a music, do you think about this as well, that okay, we have only, let's say, one or two rehearsals, I will make it simple, or you don't care about this, or uh, there's third option as well, that you write something so complicated that everybody has to prepare at home. They just cannot escape this. Uh, what is your, um, what are your thoughts about, about this? Yeah, I just <laughs> uh, yeah um, like I personally write really different for like when I know who I'm writing to, like if I'm writing to, I don't know, Talte, um, the uh, big band, then I know I can't go above this and I know I have like two rehearsals so I have to do like this kind. When I'm writing to like, I don't know, Umo Jazz Orchestra or like uh, New Wind or something, like when I know that I, I have time, they have time and they will check it, then I'm writing like, completely differently because I know I have the time, I can be there personally and uh, and that they have a time to rehearse and uh, I can like be more risky, like do things uh, that are probably not so easy to do, like if we have only one rehearsal, so I'm going all out, yeah, okay, this, I don't know if it, if this sounds good, but let's try, yeah. Like, I trust myself that this will sound good, but, like, not with one rehearsal, but you have to have, like, more time to prepare. So I think I write differently, like, according to the um, occasion. Like, what do they want? Yeah. Kind of the same. For me, it depends a lot on how much they pay me. If they pay me a lot of money, <laughs> I write very, very simple. So because then I know it will work and everybody is happy and it's fine. If I'm not paid that well, then I just say, okay, mm, I need to also do something for myself. And this is something I always wanted to try out to find out how it sounds like. And so, and you, if you look like through the stuff, even commercial stuff, might be they didn't pay me that well. There were always some little things with that I always wanted to listen how it sounds like. And the most complex I write when it's young people, when it's like students, because 
it's so much fun to discover something together. Of course not with one rehearsal, but I mean, this is, see the things I always say, like what's the difference between a professional musician that's doing it for many years and a young musician that's just coming? So when you stand before a professional musician and you write something that is complicated, they say like, I sit on this chair for 25 years. If I'm not able to side read it, it's poorly written. <laughs> and if you have a student band or like semi-professionals or people that are just doing it because they want to make the music, they're like, oh, excuse me, I'm not that good. Um, I'm sorry that I didn't play it right, but I do my best. So, and this is basically the environment that I love. I mean, that's also one of the reasons I work a lot with young people because we can discover things together that have not been discovered before. But when I'm going to professional orchestras and I'm well paid, I'm writing very simple. So because then we can leave the rehearsal an hour earlier and then they will invite me again as a conductor. <laughs> it reminds, oh sorry, Raul, go ahead. I would say over the years I have gotten better at this. Um, but uh, one of the main themes probably here is uh, always one rehearsal short. Um, there is, for my taste, there is never enough rehearsals for a project. I would always like to have more to get um, the material to sound better. Uh, but that is, of course, also part of the writing and uh, the band leader's skill. So it's not only about the um, number of hours spent on rehearsing, but it's also about how the rehearsing is done and uh, how the parts are prepared. So it goes both ways. But um, in my ideal world, I would like to have more rehearsals, of course. Um, this takes me back to the previous question also. Um, and uh, there was one other topic I wanted to address there, is that ideal musicians of the big band are the ones that actually uh, work together. So, but working together takes time and uh, it takes regularity. So there is another danger. Do the musicians get bored? And uh, yes, that danger is always there as well, but it is there with anything in life. So it's, uh, it's a human question now. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's it for now. Wolf reminded me a story. Uh, probably almost all of you know um, a record by Django Bates, Spring is Here, which is, if I remember correctly, it's uh, recorded with uh, his students when he was a professor in Danish conservatory. And those students rehearsed every week. And of course, those players were like, Marius Neset on tenor saxophone and Anton Eger on drums, but uh, this re recording, it also sounds amazing because you can hear that they met every week.
yeah. Um, uh, uh, I have to ask, does anybody know how much time do we have at all? One hour? One hour, great. Uh, so, and the topic of this uh, uh, meeting was actually um, the, present, the present and the future of uh, big bands. Uh, so, um, I would ask, what do you see, uh, or what do you think, um, how to make big band music even more popular than it is at the moment? Should we do collaborations with pop stars or Wolf, go ahead. Mm, yeah, I have, I have an opinion about this. It's a, sorry, it's again a story, but we have a little bit a different, like a wrong idea what the golden big band era was like. So the thing is, we know big band is a lot of musicians. It's too many musicians to be commercially successful if you just pay on what comes in. I once did a tour with the Berlin big band, and this was when the EU, uh, the EU, the European Union came together. Actually, I was here as well. So we travel all the new countries as a welcome. So the, the German state was sending a big band. They said, like, oh, now we don't want to be so classical. We send a big band around to greet all the new countries. So and we're going there. And these were tours like we go from stage into the bus. The bus drives 30 hours straight. Might be with a little break to to the toilet and then we go on stage again make a sound check play the next concert and you sit uh, it was like this this old danish bus that has no springs anymore so it was really tough and one guy that was with traveling with us first trumpet player was greg bowen and he knew the big band area and he said like and everybody was worn out was young people they're like oh i can't even want this too much and he said like Sorry, did you know that this was the everyday life of a big band musician back in the big band area? Like Duke Ellington, Basie Band, these guys, there, were, there was no money. They were just going from the stage, not to the hotel, into the bus. Might be drinking something, taking some heroin to sleep, and then the next gig. And this goes on and on. So, and then, I mean, everybody of us got very, very humbled during this tour, so like having even more respect for the quality of the big bands that they had at this time. But just commercially seen, it's, uh, it's very hard to make it popular again because then we would be in the field of that the payment by itself has to be sufficient for the band members to survive. So, um, but we are, I think we're in a different stage. A friend of mine has, so, uh, he said like, um, jazz is the art music of the 21st century. So, and we know that classical music would not exist anymore if we didn't decide that this is art and this art needs to be supported, which I think is the very important decision that we did. And, but we have to extend that and say like, sorry, but jazz is art as well. And might be, at the moment, it's even more innovation in jazz than it is in uh, the classical field. So basically, if we claim the right and say like, because it's art, we need a certain support, then it would enable us to continue developing this music further and not being 30 hours on the road, I mean, just leading a normal life, but still being able to support a normal life. And there are concepts, there are concepts, especially, especially in Scandinavia, they were very, very successful. There's, uh, if we look to Germany, uh, the jazz that's popular, it's the one from the States and even more so from the Scandinavian countries, from Norway, from Denmark, from Sweden. Um, this is because they had a system that uh, of a minimum salary that if you book a concert as a band leader or whoever 
and the club is not able to pay a minimum salary, then the state would chip in. And they found out actually this comes the state cheaper than supporting people that are not able to feed themselves, plus it gives a lot of culture into the society, plus they would uh, internationally being recognized. And one of the reasons that Scandinavian jazz, at least in Germany now, is one of the most popular ones, even more popular than the American jazz, is because of the fact that this decision has been made about 20 years ago in Scandinavia. So there are ways, the problem is, jazz does not really have a lobby, and that's what I tell my students, it's like, okay, now we had this thing with the Mexican beers where nobody was playing for a year, and <clears throat> now this is a good opportunity to realize how important are we actually in the society as artists. Do we have the same treatment as the airlines? Do we have the same treatment as the professional soccer players? So if not, might be there's some work for us to do and to stand up and say, actually art is something that decides about how a society defines itself. And I know, I'm 100% convinced and I tell it to everybody who wants to know not, if art is in the society, it makes the society better and makes it stick together and more resilient to anything. And if it's cut off because of very short-minded thinking, it will always drag everything down. So, and I think this is also our duty as musicians to always get in contact with people who are making decisions and telling them how important it is. And this would be the answer. We don't really need to make <coughs> big band music popular. We may need to make it possible. Because the moment it's on stage, nobody can like uh, retract from this magic. Everybody would say, like, whoa, this is just amazing. I always love to hear this. I don't know anyone who hears a big band first time who's not overwhelmed by the beauty. So, but you have to create the opportunity to do it. And this is not by searching for a uh, common nominator that might be include people who normally wouldn't listen to jazz. I don't think it's necessary. We just have to make it possible. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I agree with everything with everything that Wolf said. And uh, yeah, I think the bigger discussion is not how to make it popular, but like how to make it possible. For example, in Estonia, because like even lot. Latvia and Lithuania and like all of them have like national jazz orchestras, but Esto Estonia doesn't have one. Like uh, there's this, there's this big discussion, not even discussion. Like they are losing the all the wind orchestras, so I think there's a big void. Like and someday in like 2030, maybe it will be possible. Maybe by the help of like private sponsors and uh, people who support culture, like that a national, like Estonian radio big band will be possible someday. I don't know how to make it more popular because this is not pop music, this is art, as like Wolf said. And, uh, but I have high hopes that one day Estonia will also have a big band. Like, <laughs> uh, like a, an Estonian one and a, like official one, but let's see about that. <laughs> okay, there are so many things to uncover here. Uh, part of them, I will be probably. Mm, able to do in English and part of them not. I'll just do
do the bilingual thing and switch over to Estonian at some point. Mm. I think there is another question. Um, it is how to um, get people to want to play also, young people particularly. And um, here, I mean, you have to face the gruesome reality, it just takes time. It just takes time because the players are created with uh, years and years of practice and dedication and uh, some of those players will become fantastic some of them maybe mediocre uh, some of them uh, will uh, play part-time um, amateur bands but it will all contribute to the culture and I think the culture itself is an important aspect here. Of course, we can always throw money at things. Or, I mean, we cannot always throw money at things, but it's a wishful thinking somehow that in the case, if we would throw money at things, then all the problems would go away and uh, the world would be perfect. It doesn't work like that. Um, yeah, things take time and these younger musicians that are coming up just maybe getting their first experience playing at some uh, high school band, uh, wind orchestra, whatever, you know, it can be different styles um, and it can be different kinds of in instrumentations, but um, what is really important there is that uh, the younger generation musicians will um, keep their hunger alive and uh, it will just invest into the future of all kinds of possible things. Uh, I mean, since we are talking about beat band, it's right now in our focus, but once again, I'm coming back to the topic that it's not the most important thing. Um, because if, if, if the music is great and if it's done with a passion and if it really gives humankind something, then, um, as already also Wolf said before, I mean, there is no one in the audience who can resist it. If it's great, then it's great, you know, then, uh, hey, please take my money, right? Because I, I want to support it then. And then also the public support will be there. I think since um, the Estonia was also uh, part of the discussion, I think we are uh, moving in a good direction. This uh, new wind jazz orchestra is really something. And it's also a proof that uh, another generation of uh, musicians have uh, joined the scene and they're taking over the scene and I love it because the enthusiasm is there and uh, the regularity is about to be there 
And I'm sure in the maybe not so far future, the money will be there as well. So, and uh, then uh, just precipitates for more and more and more this kind of activities because whoever witnesses a great concert by a great band wants to do something like that maybe themselves and maybe something different but it doesn't really matter because if the great things are there then everybody benefits. I 100% agree and also sorry just I may add basically what is happening here uh, the festival and uh, the, the new and jazz orchestra is exactly it's exactly the right thing that has to be done and um, I, I have a little bit of a comparison so and I'm I must say I'm completely overwhelmed by the quality by how this really complex and demanding and great and beautiful music is played so uh, I wish that this will be internationally renowned and this will again also influence the people that make the decisions in Estonia to like realize what precious things are actually happening here. Mm -hmm. So I think it's high time that this is uh, that this is brought to the public, and it's it's really it's really incredibly great. So it's there's an incredible potential, and I think uh, it will it will leave its uh, results sooner or later. That and I, I agree it would be good. I wouldn't say it should be one Estonian. Big Ben, you can have more than one and it would not harm the culture and would not spoil the people. I think it's just because every thing that's grounded and that's financed and that gives uh, regular payment for people who do this professionally, it will affect the whole scene. Now, like for the, for the NDR band, uh, it's like this is why we have so much in the education system and in the city because they are kind of shining through and if you had bands here that were professional and steady, they would also affect, that's what you just said, that young people just they listen and say, like, hey, that's, that's what I want to do, that's what I'm going to work for. So it's, I'm, I'm of good hope. Yeah, exactly. We right now have like 10 trombone players in Estonia, but if we had an like, example of like, uh, possibilities, like young people would play more brass, and would play more like saxophone and would play more instruments, then we would have like uh, maybe even a competition for an orchestra. Like, like uh, we, we won't have to search for the four trombones like from Estonia, like, oh yeah, we got them. Like we have a ver variety of like choosing because young people want to do that because they are like, oh, they are playing so well. I want to be there someday and then there will be like young teachers who are like teaching and we will have like a new generation coming up and uh, I believe in that, yeah. Yeah, I would answer maybe in Estonia. I agree with everybody of course, but uh, uh <coughs> I think the youth work, actually, Põhiline asja oleks natukene hoogusuda tegelikult ja leida üles need tüübid, kes, kes praegu teevad seda rohu juure tasandi tööd, need isegi nagu on. Et, aga lihtsalt neil natukene rohkem jõudu anda, et, et mina usun sellesse rohu juure tasandi tööse. Armas on tuu alati Soome hoki mängu 
paraleeliks, et miks Soomes on hoki ja tasemel, noh, mujal maades on ka, aga ma tunnen Soomed pahemini kui neid teisi maid, kuna seal kõik mängivad hokit. Ja neid ei panda kohe, kohe alati võistlema noorest peast, vaid nad teevad seda rõõmu pärast. Ja kuna nad näevad väga häid hokimängijad igapäev, et siis sealt nopitakse head tüübid välja. Samamoodi on nüüd nüüd puhkpillimängu ja piikbändimäng on suhteliselt suuresti ka puhkpillimäng. Toon näite jõhvi muusikakoolis peavad kõik klaverimängijad mängima orkestripilli, tavaliselt puhkpilli. Ja neil on täis piikpänd seal. Et see sõltub hästi palju inimestest, kes kuskil väikestes kohtades tegutsevad ja on. Et meie siis, kes me tegeme, et, et, et ise ka midagi teha, et siis seda populaarsus, ah, küsimus oli populaarsuses, kuidas üldse muusikat populaarseks teha. Et kuidas teha piima populaarseks kiisupoegade seas on üks viis, et see kiisu pea tuleb see piima tasti pista. Samamoodi on selle muusikaga, et, et nende inim kiisupoegade kõrvat tuleb lihtsalt sinna piima tasti pista, mis on ääreni piikbändi muusikat täis. Ja see on saavad aru, et see on nagu hea. Ja seda peab lihtsalt natukene levitama ja midagi pole teha. Nagu Wolf ka õtles, et see on natukene meie, kui et, et tegel keegi tule raha pakkuma. Ega keegi ei tule pakkuma, et, 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 et kuidas ega ta üle öö ei saa populaarseks. Et see on nagu meie muusikute enda teha. Me oleme nagu sõiked, on ikkagi meie usk ja usu misjonärid ja midagi pole teha. Et keegi, keegi meist peab seda ka populariseerimise tööd tegema. Et... et Samas nende puhkpilli orkestrite tulgemisega selle ajal, mis on kohutavad paha asi. Kõik räägivad, et toiega tapetakse ju seda puhkpilli kultuuri ja kõike muud, mis on tõsi, et, et me oleme, et kuidas see siis nagu ellu jääb. Aga tegelikult peeglisse ei vaata keegi, et ega tegelikult keegi nagu isiklikult, või no, mitte kõik, kõik, aga... aga, aga enamik ei ole isiklikult ka midagi selleks teinud, et seda kultuuri nagu levitada või seda muusika armastust levitada. Et, et, et ka muusikutena on meil võibolla rohkem ära teha selle, selle koha pealt, et seda, millesse me usume ja seda, mida me armastame rohkem, siis tõesti levitada. Võibolla see, kui me leiame, et see on vajalik. Et, et see on sõgene meistri ja õppipoisi teema, et kui me tahame, või noh, üldse inimese teema ka, kui me tahame, et minu sugu jätkub, siis ma teen, leian kellegi inimese, kellega need järglased teha. Kui ma tahan, et minu sugu nendeks saksofonistina jätkuks, siis ma leian, siis ma pean leidma endale need jüngrid, keda õpetada, kelle seda oma seda usku ja muusika armasust levitada. Ja see on, noh, me saame siin võibolla iga üks on tükkane ära teha. Nii ta muutubki populaarseks. Noored ja lapsed on vastus. So many great answers. Thank you. Our time is actually up, but maybe somebody wants to ask something from the audience. Is there something you, uh, is there a hand? No, no, no. Ah. Oh.
oh no. <laughs> uh, is there something you want to say you haven't said yet that is really important and you don't want it to be unsaid? I'd like to thank my mom and dad. <laughs> I'd like to thank you very much for this fantastic questions and beautiful preparation because so it was very, very fine for us to just give answers. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Cheskar, and thank you, Kirkegaria. <laughs> so, let's finish this. Thank you, Wolf, Bianca, Raul, Siim, Cheskar. See you soon. Bye.